This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by Bob Pick, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Tokyo Marine North America Services. Bob joins me from Philadelphia today. Welcome to the show, Bob. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. Bob, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Really looking forward to hearing more about the great work that you're doing there at Tokyo Marine, but also to find out more about, about your career and your career journey to date. So, if we could start off on that front, Bob, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your career history and what's brought you into the position as Chief Information Officer at Tokyo Marine North American Services? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a long and winding path, both in terms of industry as well as technology. I, I started out in, in college as a social science major, history and political science, with a, a minor in secondary ed, thinking that I wanted to be a teacher, until I did some teaching practicums in front of actual students and realized I didn't like children much. So uh, that's probably not a good vocation for someone with that perspective. So I said, aha, I will be a professor. So I went on to graduate school in city regional planning, uh, specifically historic preservation planning, kind of weaving together a little bit of social science and then the more artistic aspects of, of architecture. Did a couple of years for a master's, continued for a PhD, which I have never finished, but realized along the way that I, I needed to figure out how to make a living and pay some bills. So luckily during that period of graduate school, the web was invented. And many years prior, my father had uh, brought uh, computers into the house for my brother and I in the late 70s, early 80s, Atari 800s and, and those sorts of things, taught us some basic programming. So I was able to fire up some of those synapses and get back involved with technology in a meaningful way by putting up some early websites uh, in, we're talking 1994, late 93, some of which persist to this day, not in their original forms, thank goodness, because those look terrible. But anyways, that got the bug and I was able uh, at that time, I think it was a little easier to sort of will yourself into learning tech and becoming a programmer. So taught myself enough to be dangerous and was able to um, uh, begin a career as a programmer with an early online banking company just for a year, but it was a very good experience. And I recognized quite quickly with, uh, with some really good mentors at the time that I needed to learn more about business if I really wanted to 
begin to succeed beyond just the tech. So having just come off of uh, three, four years of graduate education, the last thing I wanted to do was go back and get an MBA. So I opted into what was then Price Waterhouse as sort of a, a poor man's MBA, being able to see a number of different businesses, how they operate. Um, ended up there a little over five years, uh, starting on the audit side, then ultimately moving into consulting, really focused on infrastructure and security um, through that period running some fairly large uh, client projects uh, in the ERP space, um, but then took a took a little bit of a turn uh, signing on with who was then a, a client of Pricewaterhouse or PricewaterhouseCoopers, Condé Nast, uh, which at the time also consisted of, of the third largest newspaper chain in the U.S. and a, a couple of other interests, but predominantly magazines, and was there for uh, over 11 years, uh, progressing from building and running data centers and infrastructure, and in my later years, having responsibility for consumer websites from, you know, Vogue.com and at the time Style.com, Epicurious, uh, Wired, et cetera. Great experience, great folks. The industry is pretty brutal. Media is uh, is fairly fairly cutthroat. Devil Wears Prada is not really a uh, not not really fiction, but great experience. A lot of great people. But the key with that in some of my work at Price Waterhouse was setting up shared services. So it was one technology group supporting multiple companies. And at uh, Condé Nast, um, uh, we were supporting more than 30 different companies, all owned by the same uh, uh, conglomerate called Advanced uh, Publications. So that gave me good experience in, in setting up and operating that. When I uh, came out of Condé Nast, I was uh, hooked up through a friend uh, with Tokyo Marine, which had just the year before created a shared service entity for several of its insurance carrier group companies, um, namely Philadelphia Insurance, Token Marine America, and First Insurance Company of Hawaii. And my uh, the CIO uh, who hired me at the time, we sort of made a deal in conversation saying, well, look, we know insurance and you don't, but you know shared services and, and we have some stuff that we'd like to improve on and work through. So it was a great deal. And he and, and some of my colleagues very patiently kind of brought me into the insurance world. I brought, you know, the things that I knew from shared services, and we've been able to build a, a pretty nice operation supporting those three companies, as well as a, a few others in the Tokyo Marine world. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Bob. It sounds like, yeah, tech's sort of been in your blood from a very early age, and you've gone down a career path and woven a nice, very interesting Half there. Can I ask though, how have you found that transition from media into the insurance industry? How did you find that change? Certainly don't think it anything as cutthroat, maybe a lot more sort of softer relationship, community led. How did you find that transition? Yeah, I think there are two aspects to it. One is on just a personal professional level, you know, there is a there's definitely a stability, a sense of stability that comes from being in an industry that's required by law to sit on giant pools of assets. Yep. So it it just sort of calms everything down. Whereas media is very cyclical, it's very episodic and it's very of that moment. Um, and so that transition was probably the most jarring part of it. The other jarring part was in media, even going back to, you know, 2002, three, four, five, the need and demand for real time data was already present. And so when I came into the insurance world, and not just our token marine companies, but just in general, the tolerance for data that was 30 or 90 or 180 days old was sort of shocking to me. And also, frankly, the nature of the projects that we do, both IT and business projects, in the media space, a six-week project is pretty standard. Something that might take a month or two, a couple of months is, you know, you've got those too. In, you know, in the insurance world, 
particularly as they relate to core systems, especially seven, eight years ago, when I, or nine years ago, almost when I came in, long burn projects of, you know, four years, five years, six years happen with some frequency. And that was, that was a bit jarring. But from, a, from an industry transition, you know, I, in my consulting work, had spent a lot of time in, in pharmaceuticals, a lot of time in, um, in media, for sure, and other manufacturing. And, and what I find is there's a lot that if you boil down conceptually to supply chain, it really helps. And it's not just that, okay, the acronyms are different. That, that's important. It's much deeper than that. Of course, the industries are very unique. But when you think about how we're, we're delivering products, the customer service aspects of it, the temporal aspects, the economics of IT delivery and of business, there's a lot of similarities across industry. And indeed, when you think of media, there's sort of a, a, a two-tier client base. You have your advertisers, and then you have your readers or viewers. And then in the insurance world, you have your agents and brokers, and then you have your policyholders. So there, there are some similarities there, but I think the, the key thing that I enjoy and I was a little surprised by um, is just how smart the folks are in the insurance world. And not to say the media folks are very savvy um, and you can't, can't deny that. But the folks in insurance are just smart folks. There's a lot of attention to detail, a lot of knowledge. And I'm not just speaking of mathematics and all the statistical stuff, but there's a lot of smart, savvy folks in insurance. And that's, that I think um, made it a very exciting transition to come into a, a new industry and learn you know, kind of from the ground up um, what's going on. That's fantastic. And I'm sure uh, I can speak on behalf of everybody in the industry that we're very glad that you did make that move, Bob, and looking forward to hearing more on that story as we go through today. Bob, as we are in the insurance coffee house, what is your go-to coffee of choice in the morning? So many days, and today is one of them, I tend toward Kona Dark Roast. I, I, as a nod to our, our, my colleagues and friends at First Insurance Company of Hawaii, one of our token marine companies, who, who uh, there was a, a CIO there and when I was getting to know the team, who very assertively introduced me to Kona Coffee, and it's become a, a bit of a bit of an addiction over the years. I'll sometimes go Costa Rican when I'm feeling a little, a little countercultural, but Kona is my go-to. So do they grow the beans there in, in Hawaii? That is the uh, the local coffee, and it's it's excellent. It is patently excellent. It's also, unfortunately, a little bit expensive because everything has to be shipped into or out of Hawaii. I, say, I might look that up, or if you can send me some, Bob, that would be great. Sure <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. So, Bob, yeah, if you wouldn't mind giving our listeners a bit of a snapshot of the business, of the shared services business, what you do, what, where you are in terms of size and numbers, and what you look to provide to the insurance companies, to the group of insurance companies at Tokyo Marine, what you look to provide to them. Sure thing. Yeah. Um, Tokyo Marine Group, uh, you know, we're 142 years old, one of those quiet companies that's very well known in Japan, not as well known outside the US, certainly by the public uh, in insurance circles, I think we're, we're quite well known. But up until 15, 16 years ago, Tokyo Marine Group didn't have a lot of business or revenue outside of Japan, but made a very decided pivot to grow internationally via acquisition. And among uh, those early acquisitions were uh, Philadelphia insurance companies, which were, were now about to celebrate the 60th year of, of Philly uh, in its, its various forms. Token Marine had also operated Token Marine America for more than 100 years. Um, it was one of the first offices created outside of Japan in the 19th century. So uh, that's a, a, another element. And then for First Insurance Company of Hawaii, which originally was part owned by Token Marine, um, Token Marine uh, acquired full ownership of it um, uh, in the uh, I think 2010 or 11. So we had three entities in the U.S. 
um, that frankly had uh, some good commonalities. They are predominantly in commercial and specialty, though uh, First Insurance Company of Hawaii um, does have uh, personal lines as well. But in recognizing that, it and of course, Philadelphia Insurance at the time already being a, a larger than a billion dollar carrier had scale. So they recognized at the time there was an opportunity to create and pull from those uh, those individual carrier companies and aggregate some shared professional services that would be able to scale and leverage across these units. Because Philly is relatively large, uh, approaching $4 billion in annual turn now, Token Marine America is north of half a billion, and First Insurance Company is a little smaller at about a quarter billion, um, we had different carriers with scales, and bringing those services together could really give us the ability to, to scale and leverage. So Token Marine North America Services was created as a professional services entity providing accounting and finance, actuarial, legal, internal audit, and technology uh, services. And I should note the benefits, facilities, and other functions as well uh, across these companies. As a shared services entity, we're a cost center. We don't deliver services outside of Tokyo Marine Group and have no uh, designs or, or desire to. So we can be very focused on our carrier companies. As that grew over the last now 10 years, um, we've really begun, began, been able to take advantage of that scale in terms of the contracts and agreements we have with our business partners, both software and services, as well as the internal staff that we have, being able to flex them between the carriers as they need um, uh, different, uh, uh, different um, as they have different technology needs and, and business needs. Today, uh, Token Marine North America Services is just under 500 folks across all disciplines. The IT portion is out, that's about 300 employees, but we also have more than 500 partner resources in predominantly India, Eastern Europe, and Costa Rica that provide a full palette of services of IT. Our carrier companies don't have any internal IT themselves. We're the full stack IT, and we engage very thoroughly with each of those carrier companies on a day-to-day on a -day basis. Fantastic. And I know we've discussed previously some of the projects. I know there's multiple applications that you have been working on and leading at any one time. Could you talk me through that a little bit further, some of the products, some of the services that you provide and are, and are working on at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because each of our group companies has different needs mm -hmm. and they're also in different moments in their system life cycle and their, their operational uh, change and transformation. So first insurance company of Hawaii just came off a multi-year effort of total courses system replacement, and which has just recently successfully concluded. We're actually still in a bit of a warranty phase there. Huge effort for a relatively small company, but accomplished. And, and so um, uh, policy, billing, claims, portals, all the data and reporting, everything was replaced over the course of the last number of years. Um, and so their focus has really been centered on core systems and operational efficiency. Again, a big project when you're trying to also keep everything operating and keep uh, agents and insureds uh, happy during the course, but done. Whereas Philadelphia Insurance, um, uh, which obviously is, is a good bit larger, many more systems, has really been focused over the last number of years in digitalization and ease of doing business. For sure, we're still uh, maintaining, upgrading, and in certain cases, replacing our core systems. But the focus has really been about those things that engage, systems of engagement, methods of engagement with our agents and also with policyholders to make it just easier to do business with us and to do business with us fully digitally. And that's really a, a very different mindset focus in terms of uh, the, the types of investments you're making. And even in some cases, the type of 
technical and business support resources that we would uh, we would bring to the table. Token Marine America is in a slightly different situation than either of those because a lot of their focus is on uh, large Japanese multinationals operating in, in the U.S. So the data demands really come to the fore with Token Marine America. So we have a great focus on data and on ease of ingestion of data and presentment of data in all its forms for our Token Marine America uh, uh, customers. And so each one of them is, uh, is a little bit different. We do, and we have relationships across our almost 450 business applications that we operate for the companies with all the major tier one, tier two, and tier three core system and, and data providers. The nice thing is we're able to aggregate those. So for example, I may uh, I do operate uh, systems, um, guidewire-based systems for First Insurance Company of Hawaii, that full stack. We also operate Guidewire systems for Philadelphia Insurance and for Token Marine America. We're able to do that with one team and one partner, or in the case of FICO, we have a second partner for AMS, but one team together to again, operate that scale, to have a simpler relationship with our partners at Guidewire, as an example. Um, so they're not having to deal with three carriers all the time. They can deal with one team and uh, work with us comprehensively. And we're uh, we're doing a lot of work in, with Duck Creek, Majesco, Sapiens, you know, Insurity. It's just across the board in the core system space. Fantastic, fantastic. Clearly for, for your customers, which essentially are the carriers within the group, obviously that innovation and you know the whole technology process is a key benefit which they can provide and pass on to their brokers and obviously of their policy holders as well what would you say in terms of as an innovative business that supports that group what what would you say are the major benefits for the policyholder by having that sort of outsourced into a separate company as as opposed to sort of being within the the business as part of the group yeah i think you know our the the primary benefits when it comes to the policyholder is that we're able to keep our expenses down and our operations efficient, which helps with pricing, with which helps absolutely with claim servicing, call center operations, all those things. We have a great partnership, um, as an example, with uh, the insurance operations team at Philadelphia Insurance, and they are we say they're they're powered by technology, but it's all people. And it's, yeah. and it's the process they run. And over the last number of years, um, we working together have really been able to help with the efficiency, the turnaround, which was already quite good, but mm -hmm. going to new levels. And Philadelphia Insurance has a, has a great reputation for agent and policyholder service, but being able to get take that to 11 to get further and more and do it in ways that doesn't drive expense. Um, because if it drives expense, that goes to the the cost of the policies that we we then let. I think that's that's a key differentiator. So as it relates to policyholders, we're very much more behind the scenes. Now you see the result of what we're doing mostly through our good partners at each of the uh, the group companies. When it comes to agents and brokers, there's a little bit more direct involvement um, because we're we're very much uh, working with our our agent and broker community on data ingestion, upload, download, all those per, uh, perennial things that uh, that everyone talks about. But the great news now is that the market through insurtechs, but also incumbent technology and solution providers has evolved so much over the last five years that a lot of things that used to be bespoke or a little bit pipe dreamy have actually come to fruition. And now it's a matter of engaging right time, right place, right people to make that, um, that technical magic happen between our organizations and our business partners to gain that efficiency, to gain that clarity, that in the insights from additional data that come in and basically make things work better. Um, and that's that's really where uh, I think the, the, the innovation aspects and that engagement comes to, uh, comes to a head.
And we know in the insure tech space, there's a lot of disruptors, but increasingly more and more enablers. So when you partner with those enabling insure techs, do you find that you can actually bring about that innovation, that change to the insurance carriers that you're working with much faster and more efficiently than say would either if either if you did things all completely in-house or if you just relied on third parties to provide that technology for you? Yeah, absolutely. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is as a shared service within our, our group of token marine companies, what we learn for one, we can apply to all. Um, which is excellent. And, and we have many, many examples of that in both in the insure tech space, but also just with daily or run-of-the-mill innovations. Um, a great example of that um, from now five years ago is the move into RPA, which was nascent at the time, but everyone was excited about it. Well, we were able to learn that working very closely with one of our group companies and then apply it across all of our group companies, not the exact process, but the technical and the business process knowledge to be able to, to do that. But also, you know, Token Marine North America Services and our carriers, we're not in a vacuum. We're part of this larger Token Marine group. And Token Marine group has made significant investments, both monetary, but also time and communication effort to aid awareness across all of our group companies so that if we do something with Philadelphia Insurance that's groovy and cool, it can be relayed to another one of our, our Token Marine sibling companies Token Marine HCC or Token Marine Kiln or Token Marine Nichito Fire in Japan. Similarly, the reverse is true as well. So we we gain uh, you know from the collective that insight, even where the tech and the code can't be dragged and dropped over. The method, the approach, and that vendor partnership can uh, can be imported. And in, in fact, that's one of the big things that I would say has been a significant help for us and for our business partners, both in software and solutions, is that we're able to do contracts that actually can apply to just more than one company and everyone can take advantage of them, certainly within the US market, sometimes on a global basis. We caretake some of those, Token Marine um, uh, Group and Token Marine Holdings in Japan does, but we all come together to think about how we can leverage, not just for pricing purposes, although that's obviously critically important, but the relationships, the level of understanding that our business partners gain in working with us is critical. And if learning through us can help out one of our token marine sibling companies or the reverse is true, fantastic. It speeds things along. It aids us getting things to market. And critically, it aids us in avoiding making the same mistakes over and over again or spending the same money to learn the same thing. We all like to make only new mistakes as we go forward, um, but it's been really helpful. So we have the, the local view or regional view, but then there's also the global aspect to it as well. Awesome, awesome. So there's a real benefit not only to the carriers, but also to those third-party insurtechs and tech companies who are looking to work with those carriers. And you know, some of the challenges they have being smaller businesses or you know, relying on funding is that slow buying process, slow buying cycle that typically a lot of carriers have. So I imagine when they're working with you, that process is a lot quicker and sped up. So it's it's a benefit to those technology companies as well. Bob, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So looking forward now into the future, you know, how do you see the insurance market changing over the next few years? And you know, what do you think carriers, brokers, technology companies should be doing to, to be successful in these times? Yeah, I think just to start with the technology out lens and then maybe end up with the, the kind of insurance market lens. From the technology out, 
Now, I've said in, in other forums previously that, you know, the days of the relentless focus on giant core system replacements are behind us. Doesn't mean we don't do them and need to do them, um, but that's not the, uh, the primary reason for being aside from just basic maintenance and support. It really is business enablement. And that's not in the kind of consultant speak style. I mean, really working hermetically sealed with our business partners at all levels, not just executive strategy discussions, but all the way up and down across all disciplines to be first identifiers of business problem or opportunity. And then as fast as, uh, as, as is possible to come up with one or multiple solutions to solve that or to take advantage of that opportunity. And I think that's the key where the little bit of scale that we have as a shared service can help because we see an opportunity or solve a problem from one, we can provide it to many. Um, but it's also about being able to bring resources to the table. So any one carrier company would have a finite number of resources. We actually are able to aggregate those and amplify it through our great partners that we work with external using that third party expertise, whether it's from a traditional consulting firm or whether it's from one of our technology or business operational partners that we use who see you know a landscape and a horizon that's far beyond just our corner of Tokyo Marine Group. But I think the overall emphasis really being on digitalization, speed, and the ability to configure, not code, uh, I think are key. The um, dominance of data and the need and demand for real-time data is clearly not only occurring, it's it's reality. But that, of course, is very challenging when you're dealing with you know multi-terabyte or exabyte data sets. And also, there is a degree of precision that, going back to my media days, it was okay to be a little fuzzy in media, whereas you can't really be fuzzy in insurance. There are, there are signatures that need to be uh, made, and there are regulations that need to be adhered to. So that degree of precision coupled with huge data sets and multiple sources is both a challenge and an opportunity. And our, our token marine companies, even speak, you know, looking specifically at Philly, Philly was doing interesting things and very leading things with data 20 years ago that in some cases are, are the industry has only really just caught up with in the last few years. Well, now we're already thinking and have been, so how do we get beyond that? Because that we, we were able to use that is substantial investment and creativity from you know 15, 20 years ago for we got good value and, and quite a bit of time. Now where do we go from here? How do we augment that? And those are so that's that's a key factor. And I think those are some of the things that from technology out uh, we're looking at. It's, it's easy to say ease of use. It's easy to say great user experience, but it's all true. And being uh, predominantly, not exclusively, predominantly in the commercial space, the factors are a little different than if we were competing abjectly in the personal lines. Uh, space where there is so much more dynamicism, but our focus in, in many areas is small and medium-sized business. And so their interest in importing personal lines preferences to their commercial life and personalized expectations to their commercial life in terms of how they're interacting with us and with our agents is really a pretty interesting challenge that uh, that we're going to have. But I think for us thinking about through the insurance industry lens, you know, we are we continue to be very focused on our agents and partners as having their ear to the ground for what policyholders need, what the market needs, and really tightening up, engaging more with them in more ways. And we've recently, uh, over the last year, um, created um, digital teams and agency uh, tech councils and, and enablers to really make sure that those conversations are going in two directions. And that's going to allow all of us together, our business partner ecosystem, to be able to uh, maneuver and seize opportunity, avoid hopefully some challenges and, uh, and progress very, very quickly over the next couple of years.
Fantastic, Bob. Such a great answer. And I'm sure we could do a full podcast just discussing those issues there. But I'll, I will move on now to the espresso round now, as, as the listeners know, the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. And it, like your coffee there from Hawaii, are you ready for espresso round? Absolutely. Yes. I'm fully caffeinated, ready to go. Great stuff. The espresso round. Bob, obviously you're, you know, you are part of an insurance company group, but when you look to bring in team members, what percentage would you say have come from background where they've been working with or at another insurance company, as opposed to people completely sort of new the industry? Yeah, I would say it's no more than 50% of uh, staff that we hire have insurance backgrounds. You know, round numbers, probably only 70% of the total technology that we support, or uh, only 30% reverse that, um, of the technology we support is truly insurance specific. And even where it is, uh, you know, uh, on its face, it's an insurance system, the backend tech stack could be highly generic and in common. And what we've found is that we get um, really good value and insight from hiring across different industries. Um, that's obviously not just my background, but in many, many cases, the problem solving uh, methodology is a little different. The market insights a little different. And actually the the uh, vendor and business partner connections and communications a little different. All that makes us stronger. Yeah, right. That diversity and innovation, I'm sure it adds a lot of benefit. When you do bring specific people in, though, from an insurance background, technology insurance background, you know, what value do they bring to you as a business? Tremendous value, um, and uh, not just where they have PNC experience, but also any. I mean, we are, we've brought in folks from from health, from uh, life and annuity as well. It's all very helpful because they understand that flow. They don't have to simplify it to just supply chain. They really understand intimately the critical nature of handling and settling a claim, the critical nature of that um, customer engagement and of that great customer service for both agents and brokers and um, policyholders. Also, quite frankly, uh, notwithstanding my prior comment about only 30% of our tech is truly insurance specific, that 30% is vital and it's often complicated. So having folks who are familiar, if not with the specific tech involved, with the insurance business knowledge and being able to apply that to tech is really critical for us, for sure. And what would you say are the personalities that best suit working in a technology environment that is servicing insurance companies? Yeah, I would say from a work style perspective, um, and I'll, I'll speak in the in token rain sense, highly collaborative, and that's not window dressing. We are highly collaborative. Also, uh, very interested in troubleshooting and root cause. It's not good enough to just fix the issue. We have to understand what happened. Finally, those who are business curious, it's it's absolutely fine and, and laudable to operate a technology career and comport it purely as a technologist and work you know work that stack all day long. However, there is extreme value and, and I think um, amplified value for those technologists who have a genuine interest in insurance, who really want to understand whether it's going and getting certain credentials or uh, being willing to do tours of duty and, and flybys uh, on the business. And where we have found the best engagement and the best success in supporting our businesses. The only reason we're here is to support our carriers. There's no other There's no other way to uh, generate revenue is where we have folks who are speaking insurance, but no technology and come to the table as such. The uh, uninten- unintended impact or unanticipated impact of that is the more we speak insurance, 
the more it draws our business colleagues into speaking tech. And so it's created a nice zipper effect where if everyone's speaking a little tech and a little insurance, we're all speaking the same language ultimately. That can take years to develop and indeed it's taken us a while to get there, but that's been hugely powerful. So that, that curiosity, collaboration, and the willingness to really drive to understand why and not just kind of window dress an issue, I think are key characteristics for us. Yeah, that's fantastic. And if someone was to come and join your team there, what opportunities can they expect as being part, not only obviously part of the services company, but of the wider Tokyo Marine Group? Yeah, that's um, it, it's, it's interesting because um, from a recruiting perspective, we often get, well, I, I thought you were this, but you're actually that. And the reality is that we operate and speak um, quite frequently about our career lattice rather than a career ladder. And we're not the only ones to do so, but we actually do live it and we make it happen where uh, an individual technologist can come in or, or an individual in an allied discipline can come in and have a career with us that takes them in many different directions. They don't. Uh, we're not hiring people to come in and do one thing and do it forever. We're um, we create opportunities through um, extensive management training programs, but also through extensive support for technical and business training, and the opportunity to uh, internally interview for a wide variety of positions to allow people to move horizontally in their career or diagonally in their career. And we have uh, dozens of examples of both over the last uh, you know uh, five years that we've been particularly focused on this. And so the idea is that you can move and change your focus um, year in, uh, year out without having to leave the family of company. And that also is true between TMNAS, Token North America Services, and our carrier companies. We have folks that have gone between them uh, in both directions, by the way. Technologists who become or go back to business and business folks who become technologists. We see a lot of that in our business relationship management area, business analyst area, uh, business process management areas. Um, there's a lot of goodness there. We also have seen staff movement between our part of Token Marine Group and other parts of Token Marine Group. The geography that Token Marine operates across more than 40 countries around the world creates a lot of opportunity for cross-cultural experiences, for movement, uh, physical movement in careers, and the ability just to encounter on an on a annual, if not daily basis, folks from all different areas of the world, different cultures, different languages. It's an extremely interesting and diverse environment that we operate in. And all of those experiences are available to folks who come into us. It's, it's fantastic to have that diverse environment, especially when you are being so innovative. Bob, do you see any difference when you're recruiting someone who, when you're recruiting technologists, when they may have had a full career, you know, straight out of college at an insurance company compared to being um, in, in some other industries? Do you see any differences there? Any sort of anything that's been maybe holding someone back when they've just been purely in insurance their whole career? How does that compare? Yeah, I think it's there's there's a variety. I don't think it necessarily on its face holds anyone back from being in any one industry for a career. On the other hand, part of what's needed on a team scale are different perspectives and different methods. And I, I'll call it particularly for problem solving, troubleshooting, um, and also for design and ideation. There's yeah. a benefit in that diversity. Um, and I mean diversity in all of its lenses, um, uh, visible diversity, as well as diversity of thought, work style, et cetera. So I, I wouldn't peg it necessarily to a deficit and only being in, in one industry or the insurance industry. That said, I do think there is the value that is brought to the table can be a little different. 
that deep insurance knowledge that someone has as a technologist running a whole career in insurance is extremely valuable. But also valuable is someone who brings in insights from other industries that are, frankly, often highly applicable to insurance. It's just there's every industry has its own myopia. And we, we think we know it. Oh, you couldn't possibly bring something from media or manufacturing into insurance. And believe me, media doesn't want to hear what insurance is doing either. <laughs> but I think it's both of those stacks that are necessary. So we, um, uh, so there's no deficit. I think there's, there's, there's power in both, but it's slightly different in terms of the value that's, that's provided there. And in fact, um, we try uh, for those who come into the team who don't have insurance uh, experience or background, we try and provide that to them through formal and informal programs towards of duty, those sorts of things. For folks who, who do, who've been insurance all their life, we also try and provide experiences for them that get them out of those boxes. Most of those are either training or degree support to allow them to explore an MBA or do a data and analytics master's or certificate program that isn't necessarily insurance specific, but broadens them more generally. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. And just to finish off our espresso round, if there are any executives or leaders who perhaps are working at other insurance companies at carriers, but would think about or would like to join a shared services where they can really purely focus on the technology side of things as a service towards those insurance carriers. Is there anything that you recommend that, that they do now in order to prepare them for that switch? Yeah, I think operating in a shared service environment, it is a little different than uh, d than departmentally, uh, just being a department attached to a company. And I don't think it's different in insurance or other industries, but the primary difference is in some of the decision-making. And what I mean by that is when budgets are set, for example, there may be many conversations that need to be happening, even with multiple CEOs, in order to come to agreement on what those budgets are, or hiring practices, policies, those sorts of things. So the more business experience, and I mean business management experience, not insurance business experience, that you can bring to the table, that's very helpful. And you know, I brought in some of that. I didn't have a, a complete, you know, a spectrum of business experience. I've certainly have learned a lot and gained a lot from my, my colleagues at, uh, at Token Read North America Services um, who do have insurance experience, but they also just have differently broad experiences in operating business. But I think that's a primary difference is a shared services company is a business and it operates as such rather than having the benefit of the largesse of just being a department internal to a profit-making entity. So having that broader business understanding, being able to work very closely with legal, being able to work very, very closely with accounting and finance on a daily basis, not on a quarterly basis, but on a daily basis are key things. And the more experiences that you can gain, um, both formal um, and on the job, um, I think that that's very helpful when, if you're considering moving into more of a shared services type environment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure there'll be lots of people looking to reach out to you after the show today, Bob. We've almost reached the end of our time today how would people go about reaching out to you after the show and do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners today sure i think the best way is to hit me up on linkedin right. um, i'm re pick 
and have been for far, far more years than I'd like to admit. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Robert Pick, and you'll see I'm the, I'm the Tokyo Marine one. Uh, there's another, uh, several other Robert Picks out there, believe mm -hmm. it or not. But um, just find me at Tokyo Marine, and that's the easiest. I'm, I keep pretty up to speed with my um, uh, with my message, messaging on LinkedIn. I think from a closing thoughts perspective, I think we're at a great time as an industry with the improvement in technical and business operational solutions that are now on the market. Some of that accelerated by COVID. COVID. But quite frankly, a lot of folks were doing a lot of things before COVID came along. But when I look at insure techs and the, the maturation of the insure tech market and what's available, knowing that any insure techs we adopt, we have to stitch into an already very complex incumbent environment. And that's some of the most interesting conversations you have with insure tech leaders are, well, this is just a thing. You can plug it right in, right? Well, sometimes yes, often it's not that simple, but but the, the the maturation of insure tech understanding of insurance business operations and how these things plan has really improved over the last couple of years. And I think that also has improved in the investor community. So they understand that sometimes when there is a slower decision-making process surrounding what appears to be a slam dunk, simple insure tech solution, there's a reason for that. And it's not always slow decision-making. It's there are a ton of other considerations. So I think factoring in uh, the, the benefits and the options that are now available. It's it's a great time to be in technology and in the insurance industry, being right at that nexus point, bringing these things together. So um, I think it's going to be a fun next couple of years as things progress, for sure. Sure is. It sure is. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bob. I think our listeners would have gained a lot of great insights from what you've had to say. Some really fantastic answers there that, Bob, no doubt we will we'll pick and chew over and, and have further conversations on in the future for sure. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great and I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Nick. Absolute pleasure. To all our insurance and insurtech leaders out there, wherever you're listening around the world, we thank you for tuning in and I'm sure you would have gained some great insights and learnings from Bob today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Codley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.